Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, welcome Thank to you, the struggle to know, where we will be talking about some of the details regarding the African American community. Uh, at least today, we'll be talking about some of the issues of the African American community uh, here in the city of Cleveland and uh, our dear Muslim community and uh, our response to those issues. So uh, my name is Tristan uh, and this is my hometown. I grew up here in the city of Cleveland and I think that this is a very important conversation that needs to happen. And I'd like to have you, to have you two introduce yourself. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. This is Musa Sukupang speaking, and may Allah Ta'ala help us all uh, be a part of a conversation that will be productive, that will help us uh, affect change in our communities, in our own lives. And these are conversations we're hoping to have that have been needing to be, to, to be had. Um, uh, sometimes common sense isn't so common anymore, unfortunately, which is why we're calling this the struggle to know because knowing isn't always that easy and sometimes we have to get a little uncomfortable in order to know what we need to know right. and may we have those conversations and it may 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 be a source of positivity inshallah yeah and my name is uh, hamza maqbul i currently serve as the imam in the islamic center of cleveland uh, i grew up on the west coast uh, much like sheikh musa so we're kind of transplants over here uh, for the cause of islam and so that's what we, you know, what we think about when we wake up in the morning and when we go to sleep at night, uh, how we can uh, serve uh, the deen of Allah Ta'ala and the people of the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I kind of echo some of the sentiments Sheikh Musa has. There's some really hard conversations that need to be had. And if you think that they're hard to have in this world, uh, if we don't rectify some of these things, they're going to be much harder to have in the hereafter. Uh, and so I think we should just jump right into it. Absolutely. Um, and to kind of kick things off, I'd just like to thank uh, the Cleveland Public Library uh, in regards to equipment um, that we are using to record this podcast. Sure. Uh, and it also happens to be the place where I'm employed. So uh, we thank them for their contributions to this. So let's get started with uh, the very first topic. On and I want to thank yeah. Tristan, uh, mashallah, <laughs> for being the motivation behind this. Um, again, I've been in the community here in Cleveland, Greater Cleveland, for almost nine years now. And I've known you since I've moved here. Yeah. I mean, you were one of the first people I met, mashallah. And, um, you know, you've, you've always brought these type of things up. And there's just never been a, a way forward, at least for my own self, of how to, like, address these things. Mm -hmm. um, Sheikh Hamza being in the community now make, made that a little bit easier. Um, and also with the connections we've been able to develop. Um, uh, leadership, brothers um, in the community. Um, I think there is a much more clearer path, a much clearer path to move forward. I've already been picking the minds of a few brothers um, who are directly involved in these type of issues. And we have a lot of leadership in our communities, especially on the east side, that we're going to be tapping into and involving. Um, so I want to thank you for that, mashallah, also. And may Allah Ta'ala reward you and bless you and, and inshallah make it a source of khair. Alhamdulillah. Um, and so we, we have a list of things that we like to talk about. And Jazakallah uh, Khair, thank you for that. And Wayyakum for both of you and everyone that's listening. Um, but the first thing on that list, I believe, is going to be one that uh, may bring some smiles and maybe, maybe not for some folks. But uh, talking about the subject of intoxicants 
of all kinds being sold. Uh, and I don't think it's going to bring a smile to anyone. Anyway, <laughs> please continue. Uh, and Tatsuk is being sold in predominantly uh, black neighborhoods or uh, maybe not even necessarily just black neighborhoods as well, sadly. But uh, I mean, all over the city of Cleveland, um, predominantly sold by Muslims. Um, and so this is a topic that uh, has come up in many, many circles. And so, bismillah. Yeah, do we have like some statistical data to say predominantly by Muslims or is it just that there's a high prevalence of it? Well, I would say predominantly black neighborhoods mm -hmm. or maybe just in general. Uh, the reason why I say that is because the city of Cleveland itself is predominantly black. Mm -hmm. And in many neighborhoods, uh, there are intoxicants being sold. And sadly, a lot of them, not all of them, are yeah. Muslim owned, Yeah, uh, including gas stations, corner stores and things like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, so just to to chime in, first of all, because look, as Muslims, uh, and I know there's this kind of new movement nowadays to have Islam be like a quasi race. And so being, quote unquote, Islamophobic is like a type of racism. But we're not a race. Right. Anyone who thinks we're a race can look at the video of this <laughs> podcast right. and see that we are like the human race. But we're not uh, we're not like, you know, genetically or, uh, uh, you know, phenotypically right. uh, homogenous right, right. Uh, to be precise uh, however what defines us is a commitment to the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam despite what people may want to co-opt with like foundation money uh, and turn Islam into something else a culture or race or whatever that it's not first of all drinking is haram I think every I mean everybody agrees that that drinking and intoxicants uh, are are haram uh, the book of Allah Ta'ala you know describes it as as rich as filth and as the work of shaitan as the as the the bidding of satan and uh, the uh, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is very clear about uh, about the sin of buying it selling it transporting it um witnessing the transactions etc that they're all equal now there may be some fiqh discussions that are more subtle and nuanced than this but this is a general understanding that we all have is that it's not a good thing it's a very bad thing if a person doesn't think that it's a bad thing that person is deluding themselves and fooling themselves um, i think the issue of muslims who should have come here with the message of one god and the message of justice and brotherhood and peace and fairness and like lifting one another up uh, the fact that they're coming with something that is harmful for people is bad enough i think that the kind of the the kind of like real calamity that makes what's already a bad situation even worse is the fact that you have another group of oppressed people in this country the african-american community who has been you know systemically uh, denied equal access to all the facilities that are needed in order to live a proper life in this country mm -hmm. um, that we have Muslims that have gone and prayed in those neighborhoods on uh, on those people on those uh, uh, you know on those uh, neighborhoods on those circumstances in order to take money out of people who are already economically depressed and facilitate vices that are already going to harm them in a way that they're already being harmed even more and that we're going to enrich ourselves over the pain and suffering of another person, mm -hmm. which is completely antithetical to the to the message of the dean. Mm -hmm. I think we have to frame the issue first because there are a lot of people who I'm, I myself am surprised, especially in the 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 uproar of 
uh, of of justified anger that 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 has been being shown you know since george floyd's uh just like pornographic murder uh uh that i i've myself been surprised at, at the spirited defense that many actually respectable uh, otherwise respectable members of our muslim community have given for these like liquor stores convenience stores gas stations that sell alcohol etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i just wanted to frame the the issue right i would agree i mean because if the issue is is racism and more more specifically systemic racism then that goes beyond just police brutality and Absolutely. the indiscriminate killing or improportionate killing of of, of black men Absolutely. by police and, and we have to, and imprisonment and in prison right in mass incarceration all of these different issues so um we have to look at what is within our reach as a community as a muslim community um, and what we can impact more immediately so yeah there's with 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 the murder of george floyd that's going to be at the forefront mm-hmm. um with media and the attention that it's getting but as muslims it's not limited to that we have to look at what we can do um some people may use the you know the the excuse that maybe it's permissible right to sell because it's to non-muslims right but even if we were to like um uh defer in that regard and acknowledge and just accept let's say that is the case which it isn't um being being the rule isn't always what you're supposed to do or what's allowed the law is there to identify what you can and cannot do as a limit doesn't mean you should or shouldn't do that Mm. right you always give the example of like uh, a man praying while at his shirt right you can show up to the message your salat will be valid if, you, if a man were to pray without his shirt, mm. right, as long as he was covered from the navel to the knees. Mm, right. That doesn't mean you should show up at the masjid for Isha just because you just did had a chest workout at the, at the gym and you're feeling a little confident about yourself. Now you're going to go pray at the masjid without your shirt. Right. It's valid. No mm. one's going to like say your prayer is invalid, but that's not what you should be doing. Mm. Right. So as Muslims, even if we were to like um, uh, acknowledge the fact like, OK, fine, there's some scope to do it. It's not what we should be doing. By any means, we have uh, uh, ethical and moral responsibilities as a, as a community, and we are expected to maintain that. I mean, I would push back against uh, against even the hypothetical. I don't think it's permissible, and uh, that will harp. Uh, you know, no. Look, there's a couple of issues, right? And I don't know how how much this is going to be like a, a fiqh discussion. Uh, versus uh, a discussion of what's going on in our societies, but even the the technical uh, discussion of this being Dar al-Harb, if it was Dar al-Harb, then you know keeping permanent residents here becomes unlawful. Mm-hmm. If this is Dar al-Harb, then you know let the liquor store owners all publicly declare that, and uh, uh, you know say that this is our intention over here. And if this is uh, uh, Dar al-Harb, let them not then, you know, claim that we're trying to be like American citizens and fit in and this and that and the other thing. Let them be open about their their malevolent intent toward the people, because that's exactly what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. This whole idea of like, oh, it's non-Muslim. I'm going to sell to it. Since when does Islam preach that that, you know, it's okay to be uh, uh, be a jerk to a non-Muslim because they're not a Muslim? Um, the whole idea even about the fatwa of Dar al-Harb is that it should be done an taravi. It should be done, uh, uh, you know, with um, full disclosure that, you know, uh, permissible, impermissible transactions within the Muslim lands when conducted between a Muslim and a non-Muslim should be done um, 
uh, with full disclosure, without dishonesty. So, for example, like to sell a, a bag of feces, mm. it's not permissible in our sharia. It's of null transaction. If mm-hmm. someone said, well, he took my feces and he paid for it, right? The judge will not impose a fee because feces have no value, right? Mm. Uh, whereas that transaction would be permissible between a, a Muslim and a non-Muslim outside of the Muslim lands because the judge doesn't have any jurisdiction over mm. there, right? Mm. Um, and so that's the that's the the analogy of that's the analogy of, of selling alcohol that these are things that don't have any value in our sharia because they actually are not of benefit to a human being mm. and so uh, uh, you know there's a difference between between making analogy on this like legal precept and like actually going into you know someone's neighborhood and opening up like a feces depot wow. right wow. that's that's problematic you yeah. know and you know Fiqh, when it's taught in, in, in classroom settings, is a very abstract exercise. Why? Because the idea of ancient peoples, including Muslims and people of wisdom traditions, is that you want to train people how to think, not what to think. So we're not just going to feed people a bunch of code, but we're going to teach them the precepts of the law. Mm-hmm. When you actually give a fatwa as a mufti, you sit and you give a fatwa for a person, it has to be done holistically. And so uh, the idea is that you have a community that's already vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You have a community that is already uh, uh, being stigmatized for a reason that is not justifiable, not only by the Sharia, but or but, but in addition to that, by any human, uh, by any human humanistic standard, human based standard that doesn't even require recourse to, to 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 the law of revelation. And then those people in their neighborhoods cannot even buy a, a damn avocado mm. fresh. Mm. Yeah, because it's not available. It's not a. There's no grocery stores in the yeah, hood. Food you know desert, what I mean? Like, sadly, we should yeah. say that. We should yeah. say that right now yeah. because a lot of, a lot of Muslim community members live in like nicer suburbs where they right. take for granted the fact that you have like a, right. a giant eagle or Alpha Beta. I guess Alpha Beta out of business, but Lucky's <laughs> or like Safeway or right. Albertsons or whatever. Right. That's one hundred percent true. You have you have literally places where you don't have access to any of that. Right. But you can get like a cheap forty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. our, you know, our people are the faces that are purveying it to, to the public. I would push back even re- regardless of this like prince principle of Hanafi fiqh, which is as a precept, I think, uh, um, grounded in some sort of rationality and logic. It's a misapplication of it over here. And I, I challenge anyone who actually claims that, that this is permissible in, in the Sharia, bring the fatwa of a local person, a person who has to show face in front of the community who's willing to sign that says that you're you know, selling people a Miller Genuine Draft in the hood is permissible. <laughs> and uh, uh, then the scholars wow. will deal with that person on their own terms. Right. Until then, this kind of like brother difference of opinion, brother, it's you know, a fatwa from here and from there, like anonymous person, whatever. The Sharia is not a joke. Otherwise, I can get an anonymous fatwa for, for anything. Someone has to stand and uh, uh, back their their fatwa based on some sort of credibility, and you can't invo- evoke. Uh, you can't in- evoke. You cannot invoke. Not evoke. You cannot invoke a, a, a an abstract principle which was explicated in like Kufa, uh, uh, you know, thirteen hundred years ago, right. uh, in order to justify a very specific and very particular and very like obviously harmful context. Mm. Uh, and then claim that it's it's permissible, and if someone wants to do that, let them say it out loud, and then let them deal with the repercussions of it. Because we're not hypocrites that try to milk things from both sides and say, "Yeah, it's Darul Harb, we hate hate everybody." But hey, look, I'm waving the flag, and FBI, you know, we're good citizens, and all this other stuff. Let those people come out and say that, yeah, we 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 wish no goodwill to this uh, society, and let them be dealt with on those terms. Then, inshallah. Wow. And then you know, adding to just the 
the fact that these things are being sold, you know, whether it's uh, gambling, lottery, and uh, all these other things, it's also the treatment of the people uh, in those neighborhoods. Because as a black person, as an African-American who grew up here in the city of Cleveland, having family uh, all over the city, one thing that we all understand or understood is, um, unfortunately, we are not treated well in those establishments on top of the fact that those things are being sold, which are poisons to the community. Um, you know, being spoken to in a way that's uh, derogatory or, uh, you know, people may have like a sense of uh, superiority over an entire neighborhood of people because they are the one place that is available that sells bread. You know, um, going back to what you were saying, you know, food deserts are a thing. It's, it's a real thing. It's not only bread, it's crappy bread and it's overpriced. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes past its expiration. So, you know, you got a whole bunch of issues uh, surrounding this. And so uh, there are a lot of people who have talked uh, to this point uh, extensively and are far more knowledgeable than I am that have been around longer than I have, where uh, the black dollar, as they say, you know, African-Americans and uh, our money that we earn and how we spend it. Um, in our neighborhoods, uh, that money is then taken out of it uh, because, as you said, many of the uh, people who do own these businesses and uh, things like that, that money that they're removing from these communities is not going back into them. Um, it, it's a very uh, complicated issue that has many, many layers and there's many ways of approaching it. Um, but sadly, <laughs> almost none of them are good. Um, even myself, you know, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, as a Muslim now, uh, I think of, think to my upbringing, my, my uh, growing up here in the city, uh, my exposure to Muslims, not really understanding anything about the faith, uh, was limited to my interaction at the corner store. Um, and many, many people, many, many people, that is their only... Uh, understanding of like who Muslims might be, whether they're uh, Arab or uh, uh, Indian or from whichever nation, um, you know, immigrant families from wherever they might be. Uh, sadly, that might be the only understanding we have of those people. Needless to say, again, of their faith, but just those people at all. Um, and that can be a that can be really bad. It can be very damaging. Um, I think for the Muslim community. So there's one issue of talking about the intoxicants themselves being sold, but then there's the other issue of the, the, the attitudes and the behavior and the treatment of people. And I think that's something else that needs to be spoken right. about, uh, talking about systemic racism. Right. Um, I, I, and I love the fact that you said that systemic racism isn't limited to just the, you know, the justice system. Police brutality. Yeah, and police br brutality, but systemic literally means at every level. Um, and sadly, you know, it's not being helped by many Muslims in those circumstances. I would also say, you know, having a good opinion of the brothers that let's say they, they don't, they wouldn't want to have these stores in an ideal scenario, right? Let's just give the benefit of the doubt mm. to the brothers that they don't want to have a store like that mm. right then there are two things i think that we have to look at number one you shouldn't get mad when they get called out for it 
Mm. Like we have to stop getting angry for calling this out and it needs to be called out. Um, we can't just allow it to keep on happening because I think that silence is what allows this, this issue to perpetuate. Right. right? Why, why would they ever want to like maybe change their store if they're comfortable? Why would they ever want to like, you know, remove the liquor or whatever other type of um, uh, uh, shaitanic uh, items that they sell if they're comfortable financially and no one's getting upset about it? Right. So we need to like bring it up. And I don't think they should get upset if they're genuine, if they genuinely feel like, OK, you know what? This isn't what what is right. And I'm doing it because there's some like, you know, need for it, which there isn't. Again, this was all like hypothetical. Right. Um, it wasn't to, to say uh, to, to like uh, validate them in any way. So they shouldn't get upset if it's brought up, number one. And then number two, we have to start like thinking about a way we can help change the situation because again giving them the benefit of the doubt i don't think anyone's going to argue that this is what should be done mm. even if it's allowed hypothetically again right mm. uh no one's going to argue that they should be selling liquor and they should be selling like liquid poison yeah but some people right? say that they won't they, they won't be able to survive without it they say right. our store will shut down and we will close if we don't sell these things and right. so that's their argument right so then my again my my contention is that if they had an alternative with where they can sell something and still be uh make a uh, have their provisions okay and pay their bills i think all of them would rather do that Right. See, if they can I, switch I, it I, out. I'm going to push back against all of this. I'm yeah. going to push back yeah. against all of this. Okay. Look. Oh, they had no option. They were going to survive. Okay, fine. They have no option. They're going to they're going to survive, right? Uh, this is what they have to do to survive, right? And we should give the benefit of a doubt for our brothers. Are the people who are buying the 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 alcohol? Are they not our brothers? Are those women who get beaten by their husbands when they're drunk? Are they not our sisters? Mm. Are those people who will take those intoxicants and then move into, uh, into, into harder and harder drugs and their lives will be ruined? Mm. Are they not our brothers and sisters? Where's the benefit of, right. of the doubt for them? Where's their survival? Right. Right. You know, right. we have to, you know, at some point or another, you have to like draw the line. And I'm not saying like, let's demonize and like whatever. As Muslims, we always, for every single person, hold out the hope that that person before the, the, the death gasp uh, uh, leaves their throat that they can they can always repent and that door is open no matter how much you hate that person as a personally but Allah Ta'ala always gives that that option to a person mm -hmm. and we have no right to to begrudge a person that or to deny them <laughs> however however yeah. the issue is this is that even if you look at the classical uh, conception of Islam with regards to people who commit sin publicly um, uh, which escalates when 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 it has to do with a sin that harms others versus a sin that a person is harming themselves with. Uh, classically, the way those people are supposed to be treated, uh, um, in my understanding, across the madhahib, is that when they say salam, you're not to return their salams. When they die, their janazahs are not held publicly. Uh, and when they die, the ulama and the people, the, the people of piety and righteousness are not allowed to pray their janazas. Their janazas are prayed behind closed doors with the minimum number of, wow. of people. They're to be buried under the cover of, uh, uh, of obscurity. And uh, uh, they're not to be accorded any sort of uh, uh, public honor. Rather, they get the bare minimum protocol of being a Muslim just because we don't anathematize people because of sin. Uh, but and it's not it, it, what is the what is one of the mercies in it? The mercy is in it is what is that then it will 
deter the next person from taking up that path because these people are a parasite on society and they are causing harm. They are a sickness on society. They are causing harm. We are here. Sheikh Musa is here. Hamza is here. Tristan is here to take them by the hand and say, let's find a, a better way. It's going to be hard. It's going to be struggle. I don't mind sacrificing from what I have, the little I have, mm. in, order to, uh, in order to help you out. And I myself have denied m- myself uh, 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 you know, a part of this dunya because of my unwillingness to uh, uh, to ingratiate myself while harming the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is one of the basic precepts of deen is that what? Allah is the creator and we honor him through honoring his creation even even people who are different than us or people he, even that we may not like. Mm. And if we uh, feel like we can harm somebody else in the creation and ingratiate ourselves uh, by doing so and that the Lord who created that creation is going to let us off scot-free. Trust me, the mercy isn't being a jerk to such people in this world because the beatdown they're about to get in the next world is going to be far worse. And in this country as well, in this mm. country, I say this all the time. Okay, mm. The most forbearant qawm I've ever seen in this world is um, African-Americans because if any other group of people in, in, in the world if they were stigmatized systemically over so many centuries and treated as badly as African-Americans were, they would have gone like super ISIS like a long time ago. Okay, If you look at weird rebellions in different parts of the world, the yeah. weird cruel tactics that they use in order to, uh, in order to fight their uh, oppressors, yeah. like over stuff that's not even a fraction. I mean, African-American people, if they stole the land, no problem. Everyone gets their land stolen. Mm. Stole their money, no problem. Everyone gets their, uh, their, their money stolen. Do you know what the name of your, your, your family is from before slavery? Uh, unfortunately, They no. literally <laughs> took that away from you. Yeah. I can't imagine, I, I like, like if, someone, if somebody stole my money, I can always make more money again. Right. I don't, if, you, if I didn't know who my forefathers were, right. like, I, would, I don't know what I would do. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like these are these are these are really like cr- yeah. crazy crazy type things. If you think you're gonna harm anyone, start coming, going by X. Yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> right? that's why that's why yeah. they did it because right. they're like, look, I'm literally identifying by my slave. Ma- that's like Stockholm syndrome right. to the max. Yeah, you know, right. like Stockholm syndrome is like. I, I I swear I think about this constantly. It's like it comparing like a paper cut to AIDS. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's. It, 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 so the point is, is this is this? Look, if you think you're if you think you're going to. We talk about the other world. A lot of people are like, yes, brother, you know, I make Toba before I die. And because why it's pie in the sky in July, people don't even believe it exists or they kind of defer it, par it off, you know? Mm. Okay, think about this world. The day, the day that somebody comes into your store, smashes everything and burns it and mm. kills you. Mm. Okay? That day, if someone asks Hamza, like, did that person deserve it? Mm. I don't sanction it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you know, it's like, it's like if Al Capone got run over by a, a, a car in a traffic accident, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, okay, yeah, like, you shouldn't, like, purposely swerve to hit the guy, maybe, but, like, what, what skin is off my back? In some sort of karmic sense, in a humanistic sense, everyone knows you got what you had coming. And we should, <laughs> that's no, I, not what we aspire yeah, to yeah. as Muslims. So, but, so, then, what's the, uh, what should be the response of the Muslim community um, at the, okay, so, let's, Let's talk about the broader picture here, talking about, you know, these neighborhoods in which uh, there may be Muslim owners who are selling these things or uh, behaving this way. Uh, Then in turn, take that money and then fund a different part of the city or a a masjid. Let's just speak clearly about that. Um, There are masajid which the... uh, the attendants, the people who come there, the congregation, um, are those same very same business owners who are making uh, hand over fist, you know, 
off of such neighborhoods and then this money is then fueling and funding uh, the building of other Muslim things like masajid and schools and and things like that what should be the response how how do we approach that and a conversation how do we talk about that so I, I i personally think look we have to like separate a number of layers right. this is one of the point points of faqaha of learning fiqh mm. is to be able to analyze uh a complex situation, break it down into its uh, substituent parts, and then order them uh, in their uh, in the ranking of their importance. Mm. Right, um, and this this actually will address maybe something like you mentioned, like you know, being walking into a store and being treated like crap. Right. Sometimes that's just an authentic experience of a different culture. Right. You break, you buy five dollarism. Like mm. me and Sheikh Musa are just as subject to that in many cases as uh, as another person may be. You mm. know. Uh, um, some people just don't have good akhlaq, mm. <laughs> whether mm. you're black or white or mm. whatever, you know. Mm. But 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 that brings us to a point of like, look, the liquor store owners, right? Mm. There's a principle in in the Quran, in Fir'auna ala fil ardi wa ja'ala ahlaha shi'an minhum, that Fir'aun, who is the archetype of vulm, he is the archetype of of oppression and of tyranny. Uh, and he's mentioned in the Quran and the story of Musa is, you know, Banu Israel is the archetype of those who are downtrodden and those who are oppressed. Mm. And one of the reasons that that story is mentioned again and again, right? Surah Yusuf, there's a surah about Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. As far as I can tell, there are actually two whole surahs about Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam and his struggle with Fir'aun Qasas and Taha. And then on top of that, like he's basically mentioned wherever the prophets are mentioned uh, so frequently. Why? Because this is something that's going to replay in human uh, in human history again and again until the day of judgment, mm. and you you and me are not more downtrodden than Banu Israel were, mm. and you know whoever's up on top of us is not more of a, a mm. tyrant jerk than than Pharaoh was, mm. right? Mm. So, what is the archetype that he divides people up into different groups and he plays them off against each other, uh, and one group will dominate the other group and they just expend their energies fighting each other, mm. right? The sad part. Because I think many people will ask, why the hell should I listen to a suburban Desi vent about, you know, his anger about how Muslims are dealing with stuff in the hood? Mm. What if imagine, uh, you know, the spheronic system has divided people into like 47 different castes mm. in society. Mm. What we're talking about is caste number 45 oppressing caste number 47 right mm. now. Mm. So, yes, it sucks as being people in the hood. Who see Desis and Arabs and you know whatever selling alcohol to them? Mm. But this is a dishonored profession, even in our suburban immigrant Muslim culture. Mm. Mm. A I see. and B, the reason that our people, you know, I'm Chaudhary, like we're 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 like feudal nobility. Mm. Why is it that I'm I'm not even in the homeland of my grandfather? I don't have access to my grandfather's uh, to his fief. Why? Because all of it was taken away from him. My great-grandfather was dispossessed of his lands by the British for refusing to acknowledge their sovereignty. And now we're, you know, out on our ass on the street broke. Wow. Right? Uh, so, yes. But I acknowledge, at least I know what, you know, their names were. Mm. I acknowledge that, like, what, what happened to African-Americans is, is, is an 
order of magnitude worse than than what happened to us but we're not exactly sitting in a great position either so what we can do is we can either bicker with each other and fight each other which is the way the system is supposed to work mm. right because once we we're done like you know cussing each other out mm. then pharaoh has two very tired people who are easy to rule right 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 uh what breaks my heart is that look a person who has vision and clarity knows that the system that's that that, that that's not being fair with us um, we can either work together in order to demand our seat at the table because a person i mean this is just forget about like pharaonic system and this this is just like human interactions right a person who doesn't respect themselves no one else can be expected to respect them a person who doesn't take care of their own needs no one else can be expected to take care of them you know and you guys are great guys but like none of us are pretty enough that someone is going to like come and set things up for us you understand what i'm saying yeah. um and and societally that's not how it works at any rate, at any rate right maybe sheikh musa but not me <laughs> right so the 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 idea is this is that like we you know like my frustration is like we gotta we gotta get out of this like you you know cast number 45 cannot see their salvation in in entrenching themselves and being the capo that like right you know what capos are right mm. wait you say cap capo capo no. capo is in the holocaust mm. right mm-hmm. um I, I read about this victor frankel man search for meaning mm. he was he's a psychiatrist so he talks about psychology a lot so in the holocaust even in the holocaust um there were not enough Nazis to dominate the death camps. Right. So what they would do is they would like give some sort of like very small incentive. Like you'll get like a little bit more food or something like ridiculous like that. Mm. Mm. And this dunya, everything and even a billion dollars is just like getting a second bowl of soup. Like it's not. Right. That's all it is. Right. All of it wow. will die one day. Right. What is it? We'll give you like a little bit. We'll give you like a second bowl of watery soup every day mm. where everyone else is starving to death. You'll starve slightly slower than everybody else. Mm. Just do our bidding for us. And uh, and he talks about how the capos are more cruel. They're themselves Jews and in the death camp and probably also going to get exterminated as well. Mm. The capos are more cruel to the uh, uh, to the, uh, um, you know, to the other pe- people in the death camp than many of the Nazi guards are. Right. Or at least that's the perception when you're in that situation, right? Mm. So what we can do, we can do that. We can be like, yeah, the capital is the problem. Or we can realize like, oh, wow, there's like this whole like Nazi regime that's like trying to eliminate mm. us, you know? Mm. Um, and I'm not saying because the Jews are a race as well as a religion. We're mm. not a race, you right. know? And we're not even saying that we're, us is like a religion. We're just talking about people who are downtrodden. Like, mm. why is it that like... A group of people has a giant eagle in their neighborhood and another pre- pe- group of people don't. It's right. not because, you know, access to finance on that, that level is not going to happen by like staying off of drugs and going to school and getting a job and working hard. And, you know, that, that's systemic that you do everything right and you're never going to be right. treated properly with that. Right. Uh, and so like my, my, my thing is this is that like we got to we, we got to like see the bigger picture and understand that cast number 45, your way forward is not going to be by 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 harming the people who are in the same boat as you. Yeah, essentially, we're all on the same team. Right. But how right. do we how do we get people to really feel that? Because people don't. Yeah. They don't. They many people. Well, let's take this discussion for an example. As an example, right? We all have to do our part to whatever capacity we're able. Mm. Like a lot of times, you know, and that's what we're trying to do. And that's why we're here sitting, you know. And sometimes. Um, the famous, you know, I think I heard it from you just the other day, but it's well known that um, perfect is the enemy of good, right? Mm. So 
it's not going to be a perfect setup or a perfect discussion, but we want to make sure that we got this off the ground mm -hmm. and we started this conversation. Right. Now, um, sometimes people always make this objection that why aren't our community leaders speaking out on this? Right. Well, here we are trying to do something. Right. But I already, I already feel the blowback to this. Is that, why, why aren't you listening? No, yeah. well, you know, well, when I get fired from the masjid for doing this, right. like, why, why are you just going to make dua for me instead of, like, you know, You know, even before up? that, Sheikh, the, some of the blowback I can already anticipate is, like, you know, why are they speaking about it? We should put our African-American leaders up front. Mm. They should be the ones having the conversation, mm. right? Well, mm. and to that, that's Tristan is the, one, the motivation behind this, <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, right? Alhamdulillah. But then, like, Sheikh so-and-so, Sheikh Hamza, Musa, like, they should be deferring at these times. This is the time when we need to defer to our African-American scholars and leaders and imams, right. right? So then it's like, okay, hold on now. We're in this together. It's not about who is able to put the word out, who is able to speak, mm. right? We have to do whatever we're capable of, mm. right? Because as a person who has been given position or is at least per perceived as a leader in our community, I need to have this conversation. Right. And if I don't, then people are going to criticize and say, why aren't the leaders addressing this? Well, here we are trying to address it. And, and with that said, too, the goal is to reach out to the Imam Abbas's of First Cleveland Mosque and to the elders of our community like um, uh, Sheikh Farid Abdul Malik, mm. uh, Sheikh Mohammed Abdul Samad on, mm. in, on the east side. And we want to reach out to them. And, and we're doing our part to, to do that. Sheikh Abdul Wadud, Sheikh mm. Idris, yeah. all of these brothers. And I've been on the phone call, on the phone with at least a half dozen other brothers yeah. and messaging them so like look if we needed to do this what is the thing that you needed to address right. what conversation what are the solutions mm. right so then to, to kind of pull it back a little bit then um, to the discussion we we're having about even some of these liquor stores in the inner city right when I say giving them a good you know having a good opinion giving them the benefit of the doubt the most I'm willing to do is to say that if they could open another type of a store, then they would do that, mm. right? No benefit of the doubt to say, well, maybe they're taking some other opinion that it's halal. Not willing to defer that. I'm not willing to give that, yeah. give that up. We're not going to budge you there. That's uh, non-negotiable. Mm. But what I would be willing to do is, is say that if right, they feel so constrained that they need to open a store like that, then if there was another way where they felt it was a viable, economically sound plan that mm. they can have this different type of a store or this different type of a business in place of what I have. Mm. I think that's a way forward. So, okay, on that point, when people say, if I don't sell X, Y, and Z, uh, I won't survive. Mm -hmm. Where is this coming from? I don't understand. I don't understand how people got to a point where they... Uh, develop this idea um you're serving the people in a neighborhood their families are just like your family they need the same items that your family needs i don't understand how people think that uh and honestly quite frankly i find it extremely disrespectful when they say oh we have to sell these things because this is what these people need or this right, is what these right. people buy you know it's just like uh no we need milk for our children we need food quality food you know like the uh, Whole Foods and the Heinen's in the suburbs, you know, we need those same things in the black neighborhoods, east or west side, uh, not just even the black neighborhoods, but the uh, other uh, Hispanic neighborhoods of Cleveland, the Asian neighborhoods of Cleveland, like they, they need those same quality things. And so I don't understand where people uh, 
developed this idea. Um, where did this experience come from? Because we have an example. Um, there is one uh, very large and known uh, gas station and probably the busiest intersection in the city of Cleveland. And you know, alhamdulillah, they don't sell alcohol there. Uh, now, do they sell uh, other things? Allahu uh, I, I, they, they may sell lottery, I don't know. But I do know for a fact they don't sell alcohol. And it is, I think, and anyone listening to this that's well, from the city of Cleveland blessings. probably knows this to be true, exactly what I'm about to say. It's probably the most successful and busiest like gas station in the city. Now, is it because of its position or is it because there's some blessing on it because they did remove that? Yeah. I don't See, know. When you ask that question, like, where did they even get this mindset, right? Yeah. Again, that's where I think it's a cop out, and that's why I think people need to be called out for it. Yeah, right. Like Agreed. it's an excuse. People need to be able to sleep at night. Right. And I think it helps them sleep at night when they mm. justify their sin, and you know this goes into like a deeper psychological like uh, um, uh, 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 mindset when it comes to just sin in general. Yeah. People want to justify their sins so that they can like feel better about themselves mm. and that's when people stunt their growth spiritually mm. um, and just as a human being in this case even like as a citizen right um, not just spiritually but um, they justify it by like well this is the only type of business I can have mm. otherwise I won't be able to like make it financially right it, it's a cop-out but surely just to justify the having that store Otherwise, they, they could do it. It could be done, and, and you give examples of how it's done. So right. then what, what, what's the cop-out for the behavior then? You know, and I say that because, uh, as Brother Hamza just mentioned, like, you know, I can talk about uh, walking into a store and being treated a certain way uh, by, unfortunately, uh, by maybe Muslim owners because they look at the color of my skin or they look at the texture of my hair and they decide they're going to treat me a certain way. But then in that very same day, I can walk into a masjid and also be treated a certain type of way because of the color of my skin and the texture of my hair. Like when we talk about the behavior also, because mm -hmm. the action of selling these things is one thing. And, you know, kind of transitioning, segueing to the subject of the treatment of African-Americans in the city of Cleveland, whether they are Muslim or not, whether we're in a Muslim setting or not by Muslims is also a very important discussion, if not uh, equally as important in some ways. Because, uh, you know, there are people like myself, uh, men and women of our uh, community that go to uh, massage it. And in this case, you know, unfortunately, I would use, you know, the largest masjid in the city of Cleveland on the west side. Uh, sisters who go there and they receive horrible treatment from uh, other women in that community um, being told to do certain things, to behave a certain type of way, uh, being treated as if they were less than. So this treatment exists in both the stores and in the massages. Like, how do we tackle that? How do I we? Mean, I'm going to push back with that, right? Yeah. Um, look, there's human interactions are very complex. Right. And we cannot reduce them to simple principles. Mm. And um, I'll push back and say, look, the fact that people are doing that in the masjid may indicate that they're racist in the store and in the masjid. Mm. But I also get that treatment from people. I right. don't, I'm not even going to claim that it's the same at the same magnitude yeah. as what uh, uh, you know African American uh, brothers and sisters receive. But I get weird crap treatment from people. Right. 
as a, for example, Desi in a predominantly Arab masjid. Mm. Okay? But as the Imam, mm. as the Imam who actually like literally can hold a conversation with somebody in classical Arabic and like whatever, mm. I still get this treatment from people. And part of it is what? Part of it is people's own like cultures that they have, not all of which are justifiable, of course, mm. but if they treat everybody like that, there are some people who treat each other like that. I mean, I've been to houses and countries in the world. Why name names? We're not here to like call people out or whatever. Where like husband and wife literally like what, what they call, you know, what we would refer to as domestic violence, they call like a normal conversation, mm. you know? Mm. Um, people do have like these different backgrounds that they're coming from. My, my personal way of coping with these things, again, I'm not saying, oh, look, black people just suck it up, right? I'm not a black person. I don't, you know what I mean? But like my way of coping with things being like whatever the wrong number 30, you know, or mm. n- wrong number 46, mm. right? The Arabs are like 40, 45, Desis are 46 and like black, you know what I mean? Like mm. being in there somewhere in the mix. Uh, um, my, my thing is that you can interpret what a person says or, or does uh, in a number of different ways. For my own psychological uh, self-preservation and survival, mm. I try to give people as much benefit of the doubt as is objectively possible mm. just because if I were to interpret everything as being some sort of volume, um, I myself would no longer be functional and that doesn't help even if it all was volume. Yeah, You know what I mean? I agree with, you, with but, what but, you're saying. Yeah. So like, I feel like in order to, although these are important conversations that need to be had, I feel like we should prioritize those things that are clear infractions of the Sharia over those things that are just like people being a jerk. Mm. Uh, just because a person has a finite amount of, a finite amount of uh, effort that they can put into things in their lifetime, a finite number of breaths, days, moments, hours, etc., um, and so by cutting off the most diseased part of the, you know, the most diseased limb, yeah. it will allow us to perhaps save the rest of the body and focus more on it. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Masjid, masjid culture is really toxic, but part of it is why it has to do with what the masjid is. The masjid is a refuge for everybody. And who, who's a refuge? Only refugee would, would look for refuge, right? Mm-hmm. Most people are very few people who are healthy, happy, rich, beautiful, that's it. Oh, let's go worship Allah Ta'ala. Mm. Usually, and there are some people who are like that, right? MashaAllah, we shave Musa and stuff, right? Mm. But like most people, what are they? Someone died. I'm going to come to the masjid. Mm. I'm going through difficulty. I'm going to come to the masjid. Nobody likes me. I'm going to come to the masjid. I really believe many masjid board members, literally, this is the only place where they can open their mouth and people won't laugh at them or like people will treat them with respect. And that's why they come to the masjid because they cannot make friends at work because they mm. cannot make friends at school mm. because they don't have any social circle because they have no social skills as but well. But so they just been praying at the masjid like Isha like three times a week for the last 20 years and mm. somehow they... But there are some masjid that operate like a, uh, a club, you know, for the elite, correct? There are some masjids where it's, it, 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 it's like uh, those refugees are looked down upon and not really welcome. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. What you look at as an elite, right? Yeah. Ref- I, mean, refugee, I mean, in their re- own re- eyes. In their <laughs> own eyes, right? <laughs> yeah. So what happens once they become entrenched in those positions, then they start acting like a jerk like everybody uh, else does. Like, like the mother-in-law who what used to be a daughter-in-law who her mother-in-law used to pick on. Now she has like a, now, now she's the mat- matriarch. Oh. And now she's going to like, you yeah. know, uh, uh, throw a dish at her, her daughter-in-law because like whatever, the, so like there's they, a streak on the bathroom window or whatever. So you like, know? Come so on, like, Shay. Father-in-laws are guilty too. <laughs> <laughs> So like they say, I'm evoking imagery. <laughs> so, so like they say, hurt people, hurt people. Bas. You know, 
So, yeah, but like that's that's one of the reasons that 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 we have to have these conversations. We have to struggle struggle to know uh, is is what is that people oftentimes do these things unconsciously, and uh, I don't think anyone is gonna like like hearing these things, but once the idea goes into a person's head, mm. they have to think about it. They have to cope with it. You mm. know, mm. Um, but but you know. Th- the the the, po- the point is, is there there is there is a lot going on and there is something that needs to happen in order to change these things. A lot of these things have to do with like our funding models. Mm-hmm. Right? Most massages in America f- work on the sugar daddy model, mm-hmm. which is that someone comes, they write a check, and a check mm-hmm. at some point, you know, in some massages, the person actually bankrolls the entire masjid. Mm-hmm. Dean wise, it's not okay, but uh, for that person to have complete say, mm-hmm. uh, the say should be to the ulama. They're the heirs of the Prophet ﷺ. This is very clear. Yeah. But at least from a secular worldly point of view, okay, fine, he's paying for it. Let him, whatever, you know, he put the quarter in the jukebox, let him choose a song, right? <laughs> what ends up happening is you have someone who leverages, they'll give like 10% or 5% or 15% or 20% of the funding and they leverage their donation in order to completely like, uh, in order to completely hijack the agenda of the entire uh, masjid thereafter. We can blame those people and be angry with those people or hurt by those people. Right. We can and we should. Mm. But but part of it is our fault as well. Why is it that the average Muslim, when they look at which masjid they want to attend, they're not going to look where, where am I going to hear the haq? Where am I going to learn about the deen? Where is my brothers and sisters? Where is this? Where is that? Where is the other thing? Mm. They're going to say, oh, look, the chandelier is really neat in that masjid. Mm. And even though that chandelier masjid, that chandelier was paid for with the money that would have taught your children alif ba ta tha, and like give them, equip them with the skills to like survive, uh, you know, their life without falling out of deen. But we all like the chandelier and, you know, like black people like the chandelier, just like white people do, just like Arabs and Desis do. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, That's, these are like systemic issues that run deep, you know, and this is, I want to push back against even this idea that like, why are you guys talking about this? Shouldn't the, you know, we should, you should take a backseat to the African-American. Yes. No, put the backseat aside. We should listen to the African-American community. Just like we should listen to everybody. We have to listen to everybody. Right. right? However, the leadership of this ummah was always based on ilm, mm. on knowledge. Mm. The prophet وسلم, was not a black man. If you are going to say to him that you can't speak about black people, then you are, you are, you are misguided. Mm. And someone said, well, he was the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Abu Bakr who was not a black man. Sayyidina Omar, Sayyidina Ali, I think if they were here today, we may be like by American like racial standards, we might consider them to be black. Mm. Right. But the point is, is this is that like always the leadership was was based on knowledge right. not based on uh, 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 not based on, uh, on on demographics and I personally find it difficult to be a person who's very passionate about these issues and wants to engage with them but then on the other side uh, uh, get pushback uh, because there are people who want to define these struggles which are these struggles are part of the deen mm. they're part of the sacred history of our ummah mm. they're part of the mandate that was given by Allah to the Prophet and then afterward to all of his successors and heirs and especially those people who have the ijazat of the ulama that connect them to the Prophet they're part of that struggle it's very frustrating to have someone rip that frame apart Mm. Uh, while claiming Islam, rip that frame apart and then reframe all the issues based on like whatever 20th century humanist like I- identity politics, modernist and identity politics, which oftentimes just end up being, oh, look, this group is like has a lot of money and does debauchery and uh, they're oppressing us because mm. we should also have a lot of money and do the same. 
screw all of you people. I have nothing to do with any of you. If you want to cancel me, please go ahead and do so right now. Yeah. Wow. I think, again, this is a good start for the conversations that we need to have. Mm. Um, I mean, a person can even take it another step further. Um, when you were talking about treatment being an issue, mm. um, I mean, if you sell a particular type of product, don't be surprised when you attract a particular type of customer, mm. right? So you are perpetuating that mm. and then you're blaming them for it, mm. right? When those customers, and it goes beyond race too because so, someone can even look at this whole socioeconomic issue and, and class right. in society, mm -hmm. that it's a poverty thing, yeah. right? So whether you're black, white, mm -hmm. yellow or red or brown, if you are in an impoverished neighborhood, you're going to have a particular type of people if you are selling a particular type of product right. that will come to your store. And then you're going to get upset when, like, maybe they commit a crime against you. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to project that bias and racist uh, uh, mentality on everyone you meet like that. Mm, right. So it, it, right. it just it's like an unbroken cycle. But again, um, I think the goal was to launch... Uh, this conversation and to mm. launch this discussion and this will be one of many more discussions uh, uh, that w which I'm hoping for so um, I don't know what you all had in mind in terms of like uh, this first session of ours yeah and um, if you wanted if there's anything else Sheikh that you think we should discuss at this particular point well actually yes. okay. I, I have uh, two things that I'd like to uh, mm mentioned uh one I, w I would like to follow up on um uh, what you said earlier regarding mm -hmm. systemic issues and like kind kind of like clearly defining that um because some people use the they use this terminology systemic issues or systemic racism and they always direct it at police brutality or uh certain policies that exist within this nation they don't see systemic racism and systemic issues as something uh that's closely related to uh the second point that i wanted to bring up which is talking about the history of some of the things that have happened in the city um you know regarding black people um regarding the entire community uh, we can get into a, a very long and uh, drawn out conversation talking about redlining and, you know, banks denying things to uh, black families and people that live within certain sectors of the city. But um, again, tying this to the second point, what about the history of Islam in Cleveland? You know, uh, there are systemic problems that uh, affected the way that this community has come to be. Uh, one of the things that I found very interesting talking to uh, an older uh, brother in our community was, you know, the building of the Islamic Center of Cleveland in the city of Parma, Ohio. Um, you know, again, Cleveland being a predominantly black city, uh, Parma having not the best historic reputation when it came when it came to the treatment of black people be and, be, and, and, be, be open yeah. be straightforward I, I mean and you know say the, black people uh, are not treated well yeah, in Parma. yeah, uh, yeah totally black historically people are, one yeah, of the more racist yeah, suburbs yeah, in the greater Cleveland area. yes a lot of uh white supremacist activity things like that uh, and, and not just parma um really all over the city uh the the, the sub suburban areas uh, especially on the west side uh being a west sider uh growing up my whole life um 
we've dealt with all kinds of things like that. But in particular, talking about the Islamic Center of Cleveland, I really want to uh, emphasize the name of this masjid being built in Parma, Ohio, in a, in a place that was vehemently, uh, as far as I understand, and you know, we need to have more conversations about this, it was opposed for it to be built there because apparently there was a plan and again we need to talk to our elders in our community who can talk who can speak more to this point there was a plan before that that it will be built in a part of the city where all clevelanders could attend you know uh especially uh highlighting the african-american community um i i i when i first learned about this i i thought subhanallah this is uh piece of information that is almost never spoken about. Uh, it's something that is very plain to see. Uh, people that are younger that don't know that history, people have asked me, like, why would they build a, a mosque in Parma? I have heard so many people ask that question. People that, I, my family members, uh, close friends of mine that are not Muslim, when they hear, oh, it's in Parma, they're like, why, why Parma? Um, there's been so many questions about that. And so, learning a little bit about that systemic issue of where it was placed uh it i mean now you know it's spilled milk it's over you know the masjid is built and now people know that it's there but why was it allowed to happen or who wanted it to happen that way um i think it's a it's a it's a it's a an, an important part of this conversation that needs to be had um along with talking more about the history of islam in cleveland um so I just wanted to. It's bring interesting. That up. It's interesting you mentioned. I'm relatively new to the community. Mm -hmm. uh, I think um, in less than a month I'll be up at one year, mm. or about a month. July, in about right. about a month's time, July fifteenth or so. I think it will be what my like one year mm. Cleveland Inshallah. Imam anniversary. anniversary. Oh, you <laughs> know, although anniversaries it, it, are bid'ah and we don't celebrate <laughs> them, but uh, um, uh, 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 the. The fun part about this conversation is the like complete chasm and divide between people. Right. Because I've talked to two people who two types of people who have told me this story. Mm. One group of people who echoed a a a narrative that's very similar to the one that you mentioned, mm. and then one group of people who talk about the heroic journey mm. uh, out to Parma and how it was like the best thing that happened to the Muslim community since like right, right. you know halal shawarmas or whatever. Mm. Uh, uh, this. The com like complete stark disconnect and the thing is like someone's gonna listen to this and be like oh look you're a hypocrite you're imam in the masjid now you're gonna badmouth it i'm not badmouthing it it's spilled, like you said hey whatever the issue is or isn't it's spilled milk but like let's talk about it if you can't even acknowledge that someone's feelings are hurt whether or not you agree with them or not mm -hmm. if you can't even acknowledge that another person's feelings are hurt by something or that this wasn't good for them this would didn't benefit them like you know icc what the original icc was right it was masjid rasulullah in, in on detroit, detroit right, right. right. Mm -hmm. and it's in the middle of the hood yeah you know right and uh uh, uh i love masjid rasulullah i go there like on if i have like uh, i'll sometimes slip over there to go pray Zuhur Asr or whatever mm -hmm. You know, the name endears it to me. There's a type of baraka in, in, in that place because it was the first place that they met. And, sure. But you can tell how it's obvious that the, the constituency that's served by it or by Masjid Nur or by the first Cleveland Masjid, it's a very different constituency. Right. And not just by race, but, but, but by a number, of, a number of things. One is like economic 
uh, uh, economic factors. The other thing is this culture. There's a completely different culture. It's like a different country. Right. Uh, um, you know, and uh, uh, the culture in the burbs is very different. And, you know, this idea of like, I, just as a completely like fanatical mullah, like how are people going to come to the masjid five times a day when everyone lives like 10 miles away, seven miles away? You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, there's a lot of discussions, issues. We should, we should accept the fact that, look, there's a reason that people, you know, like, for example, one uncle was telling me, like, I got so many tickets, you know, before we built this masjid because uh, I couldn't find a place to park in mm. Juma, in the, in the city there. They're really hawkish about parking enforcement, mm. which is true. And mm. that's also a systemic racism issue, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so to him, like, he's like, Parma is great. Like, you know, I'm not getting as many parking tickets because we have a, like, a, 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 like giant eagle-sized parking lot, mashallah. <laughs> mashallah. Right? To, to him, he, in his mind, it's not about race. Yeah. And maybe really, in his heart, it's not about race either, you know? Mm. But, and so we acknowledge that. I'm happy. I'm happy. Ammu, I'm happy you're not getting parking tickets. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I respect that. I'm happy about that, right? Yeah, because the measure was you, needed. The measure was absolutely can, needed. Yeah, can you, however... Share the sadness of the person who, like the masjid, moved far away from them. Mm. Can you share the sadness of the person who, like now, because because all the money was pulled out of that community, which is supposed to be economically diverse as well as racially diverse? Mm. Can you be sad with them that there's there's no one who can be an imam for English speaking a group of people that combines knowledge because they cannot afford to have a, such an imam in there? And they're in their masjid like that. Can you be sad for those children who are not going to, you know, for those youth, for those professionals that will not have that direction? Mm. Can you acknowledge the fact that this this choice, people l were hurt by it and they, they are continually losing in their deen yeah. because of this? Can you acknowledge that fact right. or no? Are you just going to like double down and be like, no, screw you. You guys are all being un unreasonable. And, 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 and it's not a small number of people. No, that, that, that's the biggest, I think, takeaway from that. It's really not a small, a small number of people who have uh, been, I, I, I don't want to say denied, but it almost is as strong as denied. It, it just, it, it has been made a hardship on them to, to get there. Um, you know, there are massages on the east side of Cleveland that I've attended uh, over the years. And, you know, there have been conversations where people have said and stated, you know, how much they wish they had an opportunity uh, for someone to teach Arabic there for years saying like, you know, if only there was someone, you know, mm -hmm. and whereas on the on the flip side of that, you have uh, massages on in certain parts of town where uh, you might have many people who are trying to teach Arabic and people are just not interested. And so, you know, those kind of things uh, for me. Um, they say a lot, you know, when, when you get to know the entirety of the Muslim community in Cleveland and you don't have this ideology or this thought process that when you hear Muslim, you equate that with Arab because there are some people who do within the Muslim community think exactly that way. They hear Muslim, they think Arab, period. You they, were saying something about uh, an experience that you had uh, in the pod, in the, um, conference that we had with Sheikh right. Tamim about how after the khutbah someone came and offered some help with for what can you recall that story yeah I mean it wasn't an isolated incident uh, yeah. by any stretch but it, it's not uncommon after a khutbah for me to be approached by an Arabic speaking person an, Ara an older Arab person usually and you and, know what we say uh, Arabic speaking in the most 
Right. In the most like whimsical of ways. General and, and, <laughs> because and liberal, Because Arabic, I guess. maybe they don't know how, <laughs> right. how to speak it. But anyway. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and, and basically after the khutbah, ask the typical question like, oh, mashallah, brother, where are you from? Right. Where are you from? And I'll tell them I'm Filipino. Parents are from the Philippines, born and raised in San Diego. And the conversation normally starts off in Arabic, right? But then it shifts back to English. And because I just speak Fusha, so, mm. you know, and they're speaking classical usually Arabic, the yeah. classical Arabic as opposed to like conversational. Um, so uh, then it, it, it's usually followed up by, oh, okay, mashallah, that's great. Well, if you ever need any help learning to understand Hadith or Quran, just let me know, mm. right? Because, you know, they socially construct us. They look at even someone like me, right? And they just think, like, look at this Chinaman. What is it? It's so cute. Oh my goodness. Right? <laughs> look, at, look, <laughs> look at the cute Chinaman has learned a little bit of Arabic. And he's worked really hard and he can even say some verses, right? But um, hopefully at some point, I can maybe help him learn even more Arabic. Yeah. So, again, those are the very more, the more uh, covert type of experiences. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I don't get it nearly as frequently probably as you do. Mm -hmm. But... It happens. I, I, you you were in Sham how many times? And they're wonderful yeah, people. We love right. the people of Sham, you know? Right. But sometimes people just do it out of complete stark naive, like ignorance, not as in like satanic ignorance, ignorance as in like they're just like don't know anything about the world, you know? Mm, mm. Uh, uh, like, you know, you'll be talking to someone in, in Arabic for like 15 minutes, you know? And then they'll be like, where are you from? From America. Well, I'm a Muslim. Are you Muslim? I'm like, uh... Yeah, I, I have a turban on and I have like a f like three foot long beard, dude. What do you think? What do you think? You say anta Muslim first question. Say You 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 know how to read the Fatiha? And it'll be like, yes, dude, I know it. Yalla yalla, Bismillah. And it'll be like like show me, you know. And it's like, wow. I'm like, it's good. You know, and it's funny because as you're saying this, you know, and listening to it, it just reminds me of. You know, the, the, the experience as an African-American man here in Cleveland, in America, in any professional environment or anything where, you know, I'm speaking like this and people say like, oh, you're very articulate. And I'm just like, you know, and many, many, many black people know what I'm talking about when you get that, because it's like, is the bar set you so mean for low? A black man. Yeah. Right. Is this bar set so low that me just speaking English is you know and and not the way that you expect it yeah that's you're oh, not you're like so busting in the door like, yo yo yeah, yo yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're so articulate yeah and i'm just like wow man you yeah, know yeah. and Don't so you guys speak ebonic yeah i know like uh, is it shocking right. that i know how to pronounce yeah. english the only language that i do my people, my people you, have been no, forced to speak do people accuse you of, uh, of, of, of trying to talk white uh i don't really get that too much but i know that that happens too you know people are just like oh you know you're trying to sound white and this and that and so no disrespect to uh you know any of my white brothers and sisters out there but it's just silly to me it's just like wait a minute first of all <laughs> let, let's talk about what you said earlier my people were taken away from their native culture language and everything else and forced into what we have, right? So English is the only language that I do speak and that my parents speak and that my grandparents speak. So me speaking English properly is now weird. Like it just, it, it's very strange. Like there's a lot you can read into that, but uh, it's just funny that you saying that it just reminded me, you know, again, uh, 
many black folks go through the same thing just for speaking English correctly. I had the same conversation <laughs> just just the other day with Safe. I was asking guy Safe uh, Jujitsu Safe Coach Safe. Yeah, Coach Safe. Right, yeah. So, and I was just asking him about just his own just, experience. Just for anyone who's not from the from this community, yeah, we actually have Coach Safe teaches like jujitsu uh in the masjid Mashallah. just so you know that our community is better than yours <laughs> <laughs> not based on race but just on merit yeah yeah mashallah. Yeah, mashallah. so yeah he said the same thing when i was asking about specific circumstances or experiences that he's had he was like yes yeah, uh, oftentimes i'll get that you know you speak really you're very well spoken yeah but the implication yeah. is like as yeah. a black man yeah right as because a, yeah somehow right. uh, maybe he's not supposed to be well spoken right, right. yeah yeah and it, and it happens in so many different respects. Um, just when your expertise uh, in something, you know, that you're doing at work, uh, mm -hmm. the way you speak, the way you carry yourself, the way you dress, you know, uh, I imagine that many of my brothers uh, of African descent, when they are, do speak Arabic and they are scholars of this dean and they are expressing those things, you know, uh, maybe there are people who respond to them in the same way that you're speaking of, you know, just because of the way that you look or the way that you, or when you say you're from America or something, you know, and people have these responses that, I don't know, to me, they're just very telling, you know, unfortunately, people just, the bar is held, uh, unfortunately, low, I think. But I think it's important not to project. It's important not to project our issues onto onto Muslim civilization because yeah. it's not always the case. I right. mean, one of the interesting things is Islam is conflated by whiteness mm. from villagers mm. who only know what's in their village and everybody in their village is white. Mm. And if you were to tell them, hey, you know, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu was probably closer to being a black man you know, according to American race construction or whatever, mm -hmm. they may scream and shout, uh, um, you know, as if you uttered kufr, you know, some of our, the Shiite community, that's literally how, how people react to that. Why? Because you're from a village in Lebanon where everybody is like mm. white and nobody's like read any of the books of history. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, um, same, is whereas, true, same is true growing up as a Christian when people would say Jesus was probably not. had brown skin. Yeah. Skin of skin, brass. Yeah, skin, right? skin of bronze. Yeah. Yeah. bronze yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, it's the same kind of situation but continue you know and so like and, but but right however that's not representative of our civilization that's their village mm. if you go to hijaz go to go to makkah mukarrama go to medina munawara right mm. it's interesting like um i think it's like like mexicans will refer to themselves or brazilians they'll refer to themselves as like la raza cosmica Mm. Like we're the race of like the cosmos. Meaning why? Mm. Because we have, they're, they're accustomed to having a society in where people are all considered to be part of the land. Mm. Um, there may be racism between them, mm. but they're all considered, it's not like you're an outsider. Mm. You know, they're all considered to be part of the land mm. and uh, they look very different than one another. You see that in Hijaz. Mm. You'll see a, a family of Sadat, of the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that one family, there'll be uh, relatives from, from Kenya, Somalia, uh, from Tanzania that will be very very much black mm. what we would consider in America black mm. and then there'll be a part of that family in Yemen a part of that family in South India a part of that family oh, and the Malabar so coast right a part of the family in Indonesia Malaysia oh, so and they mix and they intermarry with one another and if you go see the Hijazi people the people of Makkah Mukarramah and the people of Medina Munawara who are the descendants of basically Hajjaj of, of students of knowledge and people who came for Hajj mm. right 
um, you see that you'll literally see a person like Fulan is like, uh, you know, their last name is literally Asini is like the Chinese, right? We were joking about that, but like they're actually from like the actual China. Mm. You know what I mean? And their family has been resident in Medina Manawara for so many uh, generations, you know, that you see that we do have those models in our, in the best, you know, in the best and most representative parts of, uh, of our society. So I would hope that we wouldn't, we wouldn't use that as a, a shield against acknowledging that we do have problems and mm. trying to deal with them. Mm. But at the same time, I hope we wouldn't completely not look at that model and, you know, like discard it because in it, there's a lot of Shifa for us as well. A lot of cure for the, the, the problems that, that ail us, you know, mm. I mean, like if you brought up something, for example, you said like, you know, how many people in the East side would be, like would love to have like Arabic lessons, you know, there rather than having to drive across town mm. in this one issue. I have no sympathy whatsoever. Not even slightly. Why? Because where did I have to go, go learn Arabic? Mm. Oh, I had to go to Mauritania oh, yeah, and I had to overseas. go to Pakistan. Yeah. This is the story of our civilization. Like, mm. you know, knowledge, when it comes to knowledge, no one's going to give you a handout. Right. Right. And when it comes to knowledge, even a lowly uh, Punjabi villager, uh, can enter into the masjid and like look the patrician Arabs in the eyes that a Sayyid and a Ansari and a, a, a Qureshi will have to pray behind me. Why? Because I busted the hustle in order to acquire that and it cost me dearly. Mm. I spent a great amount, Sheikh Musa spent a great amount of his life uh, doing that, you know, whereas he could have built his like what a real estate investment empire or whatever, but he didn't. He spent all the good years of his life and you think it's a joke. Both of our parents are into real estate, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, they're both into real estate. My last name is my legal last name is Jodri. Jodri means like 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 landlord, a, like a land like a like a landlord in the feudal sense, right. you know. Mm. And I, I people ask me why do you just go by Wal Makbul? Why don't you write Jodri? I don't literally I don't own any land. Like I, I'm completely like uh, uh, destitute from the patrimony of my forefathers. Mm. But this is something that you know. And so, th but these are stories of our civilization. You know that there are stories that are that are are. Uh, um, we have to look to our civilization in order to, I guess, orient ourselves and not make everything into into uh, uh, a grievance. Because at some point or another, by doing so, we will paralyze ourselves. You know, like one of the things people like, I personally detest the nation of Islam. It's neither a nation nor is it Islam. A lot of people give me grief for that. Mm. I don't think anything good comes from lying about Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But one of the things a lot of black people appreciated about it is, like they apparently put out a, a pamphlet called Do For Self. Mm. in which it, the idea was like we got to stand up on our own two feet we can't wait for you know other if everyone else in the mm. community is a liquor store owner we got to bust a hustle and we got to do it we got to make it happen mm. and the great part is there are some amazing african-american scholars in this country right some of them are known like imam zaid mm. uh, some of them are semi-known like shaytha abdul basir is probably one of the preeminent uh, uh, preeminent uh, 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 authorities in Islamic finance in America uh, and a person who's known around the world mm. and we actually had him at the at the ICC to do a program mm. right. and very few for, very few people from the African-American community came to that mm. uh, maybe they didn't know so I'm not blaming them but I'm yeah. just saying that, that we did have him over because he's a person I look up to and I ask as an authority that I trust his opinion more than I trust my own opinion about certain finance-related uh, legal matters, you know. Mm. But then we also have people like Molana, Molana Zubair, Molana uh, uh, um, Harun, Harun, right? Molana Sabir Haq, who uh, uh, are amazing people, and nobody knows who they are. They're classmates of Sheikh Amin Kolwaria yeah. uh, from Darul Qasim. 
and and uh, well, Khair, until relatively recently, very few people, few people knew who he was, even though he's like the mountain, mashallah. They're his classmates. Nobody knows who they are. They're, you know. Uh, Mara, Mara Harun, some of his sons are here in Cleveland. I've already reached out to them about being on his Ajib, podcast. Right? Too. Moan Sabir Haq was a refugee, Afro-Cuban refugee. He came to, he came to uh, America and his raft, he came on a raft. Mm. His raft broke apart in the middle of the ocean. This is before he was Muslim, I think. Right? Obviously, because Cuba, there's very, very little exposure to Islam until re very recently. Mm. His raft broke up in the middle of the in the middle of the, uh, the Caribbean Sea, mm. and two dolphins brought him to shore. Subhanallah. And uh, Bhai Isa, uh, 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 who's an old school tabli from Minneapolis slash Chicago, uh, 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 Caucasian convert. He told me that, that he told this story to uh, Moana and Amul Hassan, the, the last emir of Tabligh, mm. uh, who was a great alim, a great scholar, and a great, great uh, you know, sheikh of, uh, of, of the tariqah, much less of anything else. Mm. Uh, just a very, a very great individual. Uh, and great, I mean, like, not as like, yeah, he's swell. No, but like, as in, like, he was a, a, a person of a very high rank amongst like the ulama and amongst the salihin. Uh, he, said that, he said that those were not dolphins that saved you. Uh, otherwise nobody would drown so those were angels that save you saved you you know um, and if you meet him you'll understand why he would say that mm. nobody even knows these people's name much less goes out to meet them you know Moana, Moana Harun is from Grenada he's Afro-Cuban from uh, Afro-Caribbean Afro from Grenada mm. he's there in Detroit you know we also have to seek these people out right. you know we also have to sit out there if Moana Zubair was in Detroit now he's in Arizona Arizona Right, Allah. there was one Moana Abdul Hamid Saab in, in, in Rhode, uh, Rhode Island, I believe, who was mm. actually a, a student of Alama Yusuf Ben Nuri. Right, literally every tradition Al Azhar al Sharif, Medina, all of, the, all of the different traditions. There are people from the African American community who are learned. We also have to like, and this is, this is something that we have to put on, on not ourselves just as Muslim, mm. as a Muslim community, as an African American community as well, right? Right, like we. Why is it that those people are not given a huge platform? You know, why is it that those people are not supported? Why is it those people are not, uh, uh, you know, revered as authorities? You know, um, these are things we have to work on. Right, right. And I think that it's important for us to um, start working on a lot of the systemic issues, even even these that you just presented, and. Um, as Sheikh Musa mentioned uh, again, I go back to that talking about which systemic issues can we realistically have an effect on. I think uh, I, I think it's important to position maybe a lot of these conversations on finding solutions or finding very realistic applications in which we can start to uh, address these systemic issues and move on to them you know not just talk about it because one thing i was listening to uh, uh, you know perhaps we should end on this note but i was listening to uh npr and uh brother um khalil gibran muhammad was saying you know in his research uh he found that for over a century now here in america a lot of the conversations about identi identifying issues have gone on. It just it keeps happening over and over and over and over and over, but there's not something happening as a result of that. So just talking about the identification of certain systemic issues and problems and so on and so forth is one thing, but like we really need to find real 
opportunities to do something about those things, I think. And, uh, you know, inshallah, I hope that these conversations here lead to actions taking place that can, inshallah, help uh, the people that we're talking about, especially the black people here in the city of Cleveland, Muslim or not, uh, if we can play our part in helping uh, our brothers and sisters, I think that's that should be uh, one of the goals I think that we should try to attain uh, while we are here, inshallah. So, and and you know, for the listeners too, inshallah, the 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 one of the objectives of this is not simply to entertain we're not here to just put something out there so right. you all can listen to something while you drive to like columbus right right so um <laughs> if you have legitimate genuine uh, solution driven ideas of how we can maybe address right. some of the things we, we we discuss then we're accessible we, yeah. you could reach out to sheikh hamza myself to tristan you got um, a man on the inside now right specifically yeah. right this, the whole thing yeah. is to put this out there like we're, we're we're trying to impact something and it starts with the conversation so um if, if we, we address the issue of liquor stores in the inner city in the predominantly black communities and if you have an actual uh, uh plan of how to address this and solution and you want or if you want to be a part of that plan you're willing to actually put your money where your mouth is or put in the time and the the human capital necessary right. to effect change then reach out to us because again the goal is to uh, address these issues so that they can actually be um tackled right, right. and i you know i'll push back a little bit i think that uh, being a, a student of a student of of dean and of the usuli tradition of the principal tradition Sometimes people, they uh, knock the identifying and the talking a lot. And um, we let's keep talking about it. Let's oh, keep absolutely. identifying things. Absolutely. Because one, yeah. look, what, what's one of the problems, right? They're, one of the problems that breaks my heart the most um, is that the problems, they start in the heart and the solutions start in the heart. That inside the heart of hearts, there are people who identify with the oppressor. They, they're rung 45 out of 47. You know, mm. 47 being Banu Israel and one being Pharaoh, mm. right? They're at wrong 45, but they they see in they see themselves in in in, in yeah. Pharaoh rather than in oh. Musa Alaihissalam. And uh, you know, Allah mentions the story again and again. Why? Because the whole point is you're supposed to identify with Sayyidina Musa Alaihissalam. You know, yeah. when I was a kid, you know, I I we would hear about Martin Luther King. They didn't mention Malcolm X when I was a kid in elementary school. I guess that, that happened after like nine, the 90s and stuff like that. That became more acceptable. Yeah. But like, you know, in the 80s, I heard about Martin Luther King mm. and the March on Washington. And they shot him. They killed him. Mm. And as a kid, I was like, you know, I know which, if I was in that time and place, I know which side I would be on. Who knows? Allah knows best if I was alive at that time. But I knew at least as a kid who my sympathies were with, mm. you know? And uh, um, the problem is what? We have people who identify with the oppressor. And the, the pathology is a bit deeper than that, which is what? I think everybody, if you ask them, they would say, like, I want to be with MLK, you know? But, but, but. So then why do you live in the neighborhood of the people who shot him? Why do you dress like the people who shot him, talk like the people who shot him, you know? everything about the, everything about like what what you are what you look like how you present yourself what you identify with who you identify with are of the class of the people who yeah. literally killed him and got yeah. away with it yeah you know 
And it's really interesting too, because like you know, we're talking about memes. It's so funny how like memes have like t- taught people things that like hour-long podcasts can't. Mm. You know that there's a me. It's not a meme. It's like screenshot. Someone's yeah. like, "Well, if MLK was alive today, he would be pr- protesting peacefully." And I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not legitimating uh, rioting and looting. Yeah. And I actually find the conf- conflation of rioting and looting with protest to be insulting, mm. and just a sign that a person is clueless, mm. right? Mm. But. There's someone said that like, well, if MLK was alive, he'd be protesting peacefully, mm. you know, and then like the response is like, what? Yeah, it's like he was protesting peacefully. You all shot him. Right. You know, that, that's fact. And, and so I was going to so, say that. And so the point is, is this is that like we need to talk about these things. Why? Because I don't know what the solution to liquor stores is. Someone's like, like 10 liquor store owners come to me right now and be like, OK, Sheikh, we're going to stop like whatever. How are we going to pay the next month's rent? Like, I don't know. Figure it out. You know, like, you know, like, what am I going to say? You know, and so the point is, is this is that wow. the, the, the way the solution is going to move like like a cure, like like the cure moves through the body, you know, right. uh, of a sickness is when the hearts are, are cured. There's a, a natural dynamic and creative power in the heart of every believer, mm. uh, which when it's unleashed, it will change society. The musicians will make the music uh, pure and the architects will make their architecture pure and the, the laborers will make their labor pure if it's unlocked from inside the heart and we have to talk about it because me and Sheikh Musa can't do it alone. If I swear, if I could pull my lightsaber out and be like, let's just like, <laughs> let's just go and do the emperor, you know, real hard right now, you, you know, right there. You know <laughs> what I mean? No, seriously. Don't you think we would do it? Yeah. Don't you think I sit in my, in my home and make dua for these things like every day, you know, don't you think I would be ready if someone were to tell me Hamza, all you have to do is push this button. You'll kill yourself and solve everybody else's problems. I wouldn't push it. Mm. Mm. But unfortunately it's not even that easy. Mm. Right. So I think we should, we need to keep having these conversations and let's not belittle this talk. This, this itself is mudaka. This is a type of dhikr of Allah, just like reading the Quran and praying and things like that. Those are important. Also, this is also something that has to happen in tandem with them, mm. which is that we have to have these conversations and we have to recall the haq and make it well up inside the hearts of the people. Afterward, Allah Ta'ala will put the, 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 the solution in the hand of the person who has the problem uh, uh, sometimes. But if the heart is not straight, what are we going to do? Allah Ta'ala make this the first of many other discussions and conversations and speech you Sheikh Hamza you said right it starts with talk talk isn't cheap if you're willing to do something about it right and 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 at least try to do something about it and we forget we can't forget that the greatest miracle of the Prophet was actually Kalamullah our whole deen is based on the speech the speech of Allah so um, speech is and, and discussion is necessary. Allah make it easy for us. Inshallah. I mean, yeah. I mean. So uh, with that, um, perhaps we should come to a close until the next time. Yeah, inshallah. And uh, should we close with a dua, inshallah? Fadl Sheikh. Inshallah, there's a, a narration in the Riyadh Salihin that this is the dua that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, that when a, a gathering would, would break up, you'd make this dua. Inshallah, whoever's re- listening to the recording also can say Amin. Inshallah, hopefully you'll be connected with us through time and space as well. Inshallah. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma qsim lana min khashiyatika ma tahulu bi baynana wa baynana ma'asik wa min ta'atika ma tuballighuna bihi jannatak wa min al-yaqini ma tuhawinu alayna masaib al-dunya. Allahumma matta'na bi asma'ina wa absarina wa quwatina ma ahiyyitana wa ja'alhu al-waritha minna wa ja'al tha'rana ala man dha 
ظلمنا وانصرنا على من عادانا ولا تجعل الدنيا أكبر همنا ولا مبلغ علمنا ولا تسلط علينا من لا يرحمنا اللهم أو يا الله make our provision اللهم صلنا how does the dua again begin yeah, yeah, Allah, give us our provision in our provision, enough of your fear that it will be a barrier between us and between your disobedience. And give us as our provision enough of your uh, uh, obedience that it will be able to carry us uh, into your Jannah. Uh, and give us enough in our provision certainty in this deen uh, that will carry us through the uh, afflictions and the tribulations of this dunya. Ya Allah, give us the enjoyment and the use of our, our, our sight and our hearing and all of our faculties uh, as long as we're here in this world, uh, as long as we have life. Uh, oh Allah, don't make this material world the greatest of our uh, concerns. Oh ya Allah, don't put our tribulation and our trials in our deen and don't make this material world the greatest of our concerns or the limit of our understanding. Ya Allah, don't subjugate us to uh, an enemy that has uh, no fear of you with regards to our affair and has no mercy over us. Ya Allah, all the things that we talked about, Ya Allah, forgive us for our participation in the bad of them and reward us for our, our, our desire and our hope and our willingness to work to, to solve them. Ya Allah, give us a tawfiq of being able to work towards solving them. And whoever hears uh, uh, these words and is inspired, Ya Allah, give them as well help in order to be able to solve these things and make the world a better place and uh, give us enough of this, this, this noble struggle and effort that uh, when we meet you, that you're proud of us and that, 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 that the people of the Ummah are proud of us on that day and that, 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 that protect us from ever being those people who slacked off uh, from the work of the Deen to the point where the prophets and the, the, the righteous and the, the scholars and the people of the Ummah on the Day of Judgment curse us for having blown uh, a good opportunity to do something better. Ya Allah, this whole world is so broken and you're the only one who can fix it. Ya Allah, fix it from your fadl and from your grace and from your generosity and honor us by using us in that process. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma rabbana taqabbal minna واختم لنا بالحسنى ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى به وارفع بأيدينا راية الإسلام بركة الفاتحة السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته